Hey, everyone. Have you been enjoying this series? If so, there's something really simple you can do to help us. Go on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you've been using to listen to the show and leave us a nice comment and a good star rating. It just takes a minute and it will do wonders for helping new people discover the series. So thanks a lot and on with the show. This is Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt, Racecar Radio's podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs. I'm David Hoffman, and your voices of reason are Mike Gansel and Matt Plosiak. Today, Mr. Bobby Darival of Home Care at Its Best joins us to talk about some F-words that give pause, and maybe even some sleepless nights to even the most established business owners. Firing someone and the fear of failure. Mike, hello. Good morning. Good morning, David. Matthew, how are you, sir? I'm well today. Thank you. (laughs) Yourself. Peachy swell. Um, Our guest today is Bobby Darival. Um, Bobby, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company and who you guys are and what you do? Awesome. Thank you guys for having me here. This is incredible. Um, So my name is Bobby Darival. Um, I am the COO of Home Care at its best. Uh, we are a licensed home care agency uh, servicing the five boroughs plus Nassau County. What we do is uh, we send home health aides and nurses into folks' homes to take care of them. Is this uh, through something like Medicare or health insurance, or is this a private? Yeah, sure. So we work uh, directly with Medicaid, uh, as well as various different different health insurance companies and managed long-term care institutions. So we, we work within the system, within the home care system that's primarily driven by Medicaid. Um, and so how, um, and how big an operation do you have? How many, how many nurses do you have on, nurses are on staff for you or? Right. So we have about 80 nurses on staff um, and about 120 home health aides on staff. So um, in terms of our roster, we're looking at around 200 uh, caregivers on our roster, the clientele. We have about 76 um, patients or clients that we service and take care of on a daily basis. Fantastic. So today, guys, we're going to talk about a difficult and challenging subject, I think, uh, which is the F word. What is that, David? Firing someone. Um, Bobby, I understand you're, you're having a difficulty with a key employee that you brought on maybe not too long ago, and you're trying to figure out the best way to to deal with that. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that situation. So uh, as a business, we had determined at the beginning of the year that it was time to grow and we had to grow aggressively. Um, During that process, uh, the determination was made to bring in outside help in the form of someone uh, that's in sales, that that is also well-versed in business development to help grow um, our census and our clientele. Um, For us, this was kind of a big and splashy purchase, um, or a big and splashy investment, I should say. Uh, so it took a lot of time, energy, um, and, a, and a lot of buy-in from everybody on the team. I should mention that we're also a family-owned business. So it was interesting getting you know the input of everyone from the family. Uh, but we did make um, a hire um, that we thought would work really, really well for us. The person came from tremendous pedigree. Um, They had a a good track record of working in other organizations similar to ours and and providing results. 
Um, so that's how it all started, our relationship. Well, l- let me actually uh, interject for a moment. I, I know, Bobby, because Matt and I and you worked on this together. He was, this was a good guy. Absolutely. You know, it's not, this was not a bad guy. This was really a good guy. And he, did, he was experienced. He knew the industry. Right. And presumably, it seemed like he knew what he was doing. And it seems like he was making a real effort. Oh, absolutely. And he was very incentivized, too. So he was, the incentives were there. So what, where was the failure, do you think? What, what, what didn't click with this guy? The biggest thing for us was expectation. That it, it just turned out to become a game of expectation. You make a determination when you hire someone, especially in a sales or business development capacity of, okay, here are the specific targets we need you to hit, right? And everybody kind of understands, all parties understand, okay, we're going to judge everything based off of very specific targets. From where we started to, let's say, month three of the new hire uh, being part of the team. At this point, he's assimilated into who we are. He's kind of a part of our culture. um, And he's out being very, very active and doing everything that we could possibly ask for. Our challenge was not seeing the return, right? And understanding that the re or trying to figure out why we were not seeing the return. We could not for the life of us understand why if we set out a plan and we're executing the plan and everything's being implemented the way it should, that we're not seeing a specific type of results. Was this, was this a problem of the salesperson not being able to live up to the potential of the situation or was it a, a problem of the expectations being too high? Right. So I think it was a combination of both. The first, because the environment was changing, right? The business environment was changing. How that person could uh, achieve his sales goals, that was changed. It was, it was a fundamental change that was more regulatory than anything in the business environment. So that was that one part of it. What, what Maybe give that? us some context there. What does that mean? What, what happened, if that's an important part of the story? Sure. The thing to know about that is because certain new regulations change the way that, let's say, cases or patients could be referred to an agency, it actually changed the, the, the role of someone who's in business development or who's in sales. And so the skill set of our new hire was all, all of a sudden not as valuable, right? They had to learn a new way of building a pipeline. Well, and that happened sort of unexpectedly within those three months? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, but it's not unusual. I mean, it, it's not unusual at all. Every business encounters changes in the environment. And then good salespeople roll with it. They find another way. They find that if they continue to do the appropriate activities, reaching out, so on and so forth, and doing it uh, the same consistently, doing it, etc., it ultimately begins to work. So I think here, um, I agree with you, the regulatory changes, etc., happened, but it shouldn't have changed uh, the situation as much. The other part of it, um, in terms of expectations being too high, it, that's an interesting question because even in the initial outset, the employee helped set those expectations, right? He came in with a certain you know, resume, so to speak, of what he can and cannot do. And then us knowing the kind of what the environment was, seeing, okay, this is really going to depress whatever he thinks he can actually achieve. So you've, you've come to this reckoning. What did you do to 
to deal with that reckoning. So after month three, I really began um, to get involved in the sales part of of the business, right? After not seeing results, I, I came to determination, okay, I need to go out there with him. I need to see what's happening. I need to see if there's a disconnect, is there a gap? It's, it strikes me that you're, in, you know, you you hired this person to do a job of work and now you're out with them, shadowing them, doing it. Like this is not reducing, this is adding to your workload rather than reducing it at that point. That That's right. That's right. And and it's because I felt that, invo- you know, I was that engaged. I wanted to be that engaged. So um, where, I, where I'm guessing at is here's the key, as you've said, activities leading to results. And that's just, that's an element of time. And I think one of the expectations that we all set was, and I think uh, the person in question here also knew that, we had a six-month window. Or, or did, he, did he believe that as strongly as we did that he had a six-month window? Right. And so this was the emotional challenge right here. Because, of course, in these conversations, you talk about the forever, right? I want to grow with you forever and the need and the, the desire to really grow with the business because at the end of the day, everybody wants great long-term success. However, it was very clear at the beginning that six months was when we were going to reevaluate you know, this relationship. Once we got to around month three, month four, and then you start really um, determining, okay, are the results matching the activities? It was a challenge to get him to adjust his expectations as the business was ab- adjusting our expectations, so, right? Bobby, so after, you know, you, month three, you had to, let's say, readjust, and then you're at the end of month four. Why, why wait two more months? <laughs> That's a great question. And we went and through that, didn't we? we? We absolutely did. And off of uh, actually your advice, uh, Matt, it was, okay, the point of no return should be, you know, now. For me, emotionally, it was challenging because I thought the point of no return, I still had another month or another two months. Why? Because I wanted to give this person a shot, right? And so that was, you know, my own emotions coming into play of not wanting to let go, not wanting to be wrong. Yes, you don't want to admit your own stuff. But then you also, and I know you said this, then you realize that you're dealing with a human being. Mm-hmm. He's got a family. Yep. He's got kids. Yep. He's got a life. And you fire him, you're responsible for that, right? I felt like, yes. So what was that doing to you? Did you lose sleep at night? Oh, absolutely. I sure did. I lost sleep at night. Um, it, 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 to be honest, it really tested me um, from a personal and emotional perspective, but also from a management perspective, because I, I, I didn't know if I was a good manager because of weighing these things and feeling like, okay, am I weighing these equally and should I be weighing these equally? That being, you know, the emotional component of trying to fire someone and then the business side component of, okay, this is the point of no return. We got to, you know, cut this off here. I felt like yes, the answer was that. I, I have a retort. I, I do agree it's never fun to fire someone. However, the first uh, allegiance that an owner has is to the health of the company because you're employing 200-plus people, and if you're, quote, wasting resources, right, it, eventually it can put the company at risk, and that is unfair to everyone who's there. I like my, my rule of thumb is 
you ask yourself the question, well, knowing what you know now about the employee, would you hire that person again? And if it's not an immediate yes, guess what you should be doing? You should be transitioning that person out of the company. I always like to say, <laughs> show me any company with 10 or more people, at least one person should get fired. Um, it's very simple. Life is very simple for my partner, Matt, here. Well, Matt, the wife, executioner, you know, he, He's got some of those things. I have to contend with that on a regular basis. But, been, you know, but here's, the, here's the annoying thing about that. He happens to be right a good portion of the time. That drives gonna, me crazy. I'm going to buy you a guillotine for Christmas, Matt. Thanks. Yes. I don't think Bobby or I would disagree with you, or maybe even David would disagree with you on that. But it, it's... Um, it's never, it's never so simple. It's not, it's not a spreadsheet. Uh, it's not an Excel spreadsheet that you look at a number and you, and you say, well, this minus this equals this. It's not that. And Delete. Right, right. <laughs> well, I have to say, and I'm, I'm sort of saying it in black and white, but I did have to fire my youngest brother once. <laughs> and, and so if, if I can do that, I figure... Someone could fire, an owner should be able to fire just about anyone. And maybe, in, as you say, Matt, it's a bigger number of the company and the family, et cetera, than the one person. Yeah, it certainly is. But still, there's an emotional thing that's going on, and you have to contend with that. But in the end of the process, right, in an exit interview conversation that I had um, with this hire, um, I had this gentleman tell me, that my expectations were way off, that they were too high. I'd love to hear about that interview. How did that go? <laughs> um, so I'll keep it PG, first and foremost. What was interesting was in that interview was um, emotions were right there and raw at the very beginning of the meeting, right? Um, as soon as uh, you know the, the, the gentleman uh, found, figured out what, what was about to happen, right? That this is the morning of firing someone. Um, he had a very raw reaction, and it was because he must have felt caught off guard. Which to me, again, that's an expectation that um, I completely missed because I thought I had been very clear on the organization's changing expectations. Right? I thought it was very clear that hey, you're just not you're just not meeting the needs that we that we have. Um, but that was not that feeling was not mutual. It was not shared on, on his side. And so that conversation, it was very tense in the beginning. It kind of went to the way of um, let's throw out a couple words and let's um, let's let people know how we feel in this moment. Um, but that kind of subsided and really became a conversation of, hey, I know how you feel, but I'm just going to tell you right now, this is where the organization stands. This is what we feel like is the right decision to make and this is you know what's going to be happening going forward so bobby you so you made the decision you did it you had the interview he left how did you feel after it was over absolute relief <laughs> absolute relief um and i and i did think of you matt immediately <laughs> <That's> <laughs> great. what uh, what did what were you thinking I was thinking uh, Matt told me it was going to be okay, <laughs> right? Because, uh, you know, I had been told that, hey, this is something you have to go through. You have to make this choice. This is, you already know it's the right choice for you and for the organization. So just make it, right? Uh, and so w once you go through that process, you make that decision, you all of a sudden say, you know what? 
I, my conscience is clear. I feel good about what I did, not because I fired someone, but because I did what I thought was the right thing to do at, at the right, right time. Right. I can't tell you how many owners, managers know weeks, months, sometimes years that they should do it and they don't. Mm. We'll be right back with more from Bobby and also more about why messing up might be a good thing right after these messages. If you're enjoying this show, you might also like some of the other podcasts on Race Car Radio. For instance, try Composition Notebook. Two musicians, close friends who grew up in the same city but leading very different lives, coming together to share their music and help each other figure out art, parenthood, livelihood, and the thousand things that challenge us all as human beings every day. Composition Notebook. Two songwriters, one conversation, endless possibilities. Listen and subscribe now at racecarradio.com. Racecar Radio is proud to support the work of IO Worldwide, a tenacious and dedicated organization working to address the root causes of poverty in West Africa. Because they believe that who a person is and where they come from should not solely determine what they are able to achieve. To learn about their work and how you can support it, please visit ayaworldwide.org. And now back to Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt. I do have to admit that an owner firing an employee is one of the worst things you can do in your job. And it means that the not only did the employee fail, but the owner failed because either they didn't hire the right person, didn't train them properly, or some other reason. But it's definitely a mutual uh, situation in general. Yes, I agree. <clears throat> but I wouldn't say that it's a failure. I'd say it's a mistake. And there is a difference between a failure and a mistake, in my, in my, particularly in business. Um, I think that, you know, just maybe off tangent for a moment, talk about mistake versus failure. Uh, You must make mistakes in business. If you do not make mistakes in business, then you are not doing business. Plain and simple. I don't don't know how I can say this, but I agree with you. Good. (laughs) Good. Okay. Now, that you make mistakes, it can lead to failure, but failure is not about making mistakes. And I would agree. And... Uh, if you're not making mistakes in business, you're not taking enough risks. There you go. In running your, a business, you, you, you have to accept you're going to make mistakes. You do. If you don't, then it's like you'll never act. You'll never act. And that comes where you said, that's, that's if you don't failure, act, if you don't sure. act, that's a failure. That is a failure. So that's why I think it's very important to really really understand the essence, the emotional, the whole gestalt of mistake and failure. You know, I think the, the, if you are a business poised for growth, um, you really do want to continuously invest in the business. And that might be people, that might be hardware, software, it can just be about anything. And so then the question is, as you continue to invest in the business with the purpose of growing it, you're going to make mistakes because you're not in control of just about everything. You may be in control of yourself, but just about everything else, who knows? So here's maybe the point I want to make is, in a failure, 
you look back and you say, I'm never going to be in a situation where I'm going to fail again. In a mistake, you look back and you say, what did I learn? And by the way, I may very well make that mistake again. And I make it more than once. So I, I think I have an anecdote uh, or an experience that kind of brings that um, to light. So when, when I became the CEO of the business, right, this home care agency, um, I walked into a situation where we had just lost a major contract, right? And I was now the primary decision maker for the business. And we had just lost a contract that accounted for between 30 and 35% of the whole business's revenue. Which is huge. Right. And so we felt that as a failure. We, we said that's a failure. That's how we saw that experience. It's interesting now, a couple years removed as the business has stabilized and we've really um, reevaluated and redetermined who we are, we see that, oh, that's a lot of little mistakes that led to that situation, right? And so now I understand now, you know, in hindsight, uh, my perspective is now, okay, here are the little mistakes that we have to pay attention to to avoid a failure of that size. Now, even looking back at it now, I don't see it as a failure anymore. I see it out of, as a, a lot of little mistakes that I've now learned from. And so no longer is it a failure, but it's, a, it's just a learning experience. So it's, it's almost interesting that failures and mistakes can be subjective and they can, you can redetermine what you know, they are. You can reevaluate and, and kind of grow and see yourself as different. Um, because you, you look back and, you, oh, you know what? I, I understand exactly what happened. At that moment, the world ended for me. But now, after time and after learning from these mistakes, you know, I come to see that as not a failure, but a, but a, a really, really difficult learning experience. That's interesting. Because, you know, having started, whatever, seven businesses, um, I've been in and out of them, obviously, over the last, well, X years. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, you know, when, when certainly I've had a couple that failed, uh, you know, went out of business. And uh, I never thought like that I failed necessarily. Um, maybe I wasn't that bright. But uh, I always thought it was very funny because after, you know, we sold Netland and went our separate ways, I I. I said, uh, I'm not, there's no way I'm starting another business. It's not, I'm not going to do that. It's just too, you know, it's too hard. It's too much pain, et cetera. And, um, you know, opportunities come up and you say, gee, I, I like this opportunity. And I, I love doing things that I had never done before or no one else has done. And so uh, I got involved in solar and LED and those failed too. But, uh, but now we have, you know, voice of reason and... I look back and I say, well, I'm, the only reason I'm here is because I had all those experiences in the past. And I, so um, I think it de you know, depends on your perspective. Did I fail? Yeah, I failed. The businesses failed. Did I fail? I, I guess so, because the businesses failed. But uh, I don't feel like I failed because I'm at a place now that I love what I do. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, I feel like I'm giving back to the business community, and um, I feel very successful. And I think you're a great success. It, it strikes me the real failure in business might be not so much about money or, or sales, or, but it's, it's sort of a personal 
attitude thing. Like when somebody really fails in business is when they've, they've, they've decided, you know what, I'm done. I can't, I can't regroup from this mistake. And it's, 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 it's almost an, it's an emotional response failure more than something that's on paper. Right. So I, it's a, it's a great question. And I, I can tell you here, here's the struggle that as a business owner and sitting around the room, all of us have is that what is your identity? Who are you? And the problem is, or the struggle is, I am not my business. My business is not me. There's a significant part of me that is my business, and there's a significant part of the business that's me. But if you define yourself in totality of that business, which, by the way, I have done and was a terrible mistake, which I've learned from, if you do that, then, and you make mistakes, and you and ultimately you fail, then how do you, how do you pick yourself up? How do, how, do you, you know, how do you get up in the morning? And the reality is then is that you've got to come to the grips. The business is not you completely, and the, you are not the business completely. You must establish your own identity. And that identity goes back from the day you were born to, to the moment you're still alive. That's really the key. That's, I think that's, that's the difference. That's why I keep saying the difference between mistakes and failure. You keep thinking failure, then you are indeed the business, and the business is you. So how do you get up in the morning? Can't do it. You've got to have your own identity. It strikes me you said something about a difficult learning experience. It strikes me that maybe if something isn't difficult, then you're not going to learn much from it. Like those are the all real learning experiences. Like the more, the more difficult it is, the more you've learned maybe. Well, I, I, I'll say this, and I think many people who know me have heard me say this many times. You learn from your mistakes, you enjoy your success. You do not learn from your success. The goal of, of success is to enjoy it. The goal of making mistakes is to learn from it. That's, that's really, I think, uh, 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 a, uh, a, uh, how would I say, a philosophy that I follow. I make mistakes, I better learn from it. But if I make some success, uh, as hell, I'm going to enjoy it. That's really the key. Now that we've, we've exhausted that topic, I think I'll mind my own business. I think you should mind your own business. I think we all should mind our own business. I'm going to mind my own business. Everyone, let's mind our own business. Thanks for listening to Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt. The stars of the show are Mike Gansel and Matt Plosiak of Voice of Reason Consulting, voiceofreasonconsulting.com. Today's guest was Bobby Darival of Home Care at Its Best, hcaib.com. I'm David Hoffman, and I produced the show. It was recorded and mixed by Austin Cologne. Special thanks to Boucher & Company Social Media Marketing for hosting us for today's recording session. New episodes coming soon include conversations on working abroad, working with partners, and finding people you can work with. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and many of your other favorite podcasting apps. You can find those links at racecarradio.com slash mindyourownbusiness. And you can also follow us on social media at MYOB Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt is a production of Race Car Radio, www.racecarradio.com. Race Car Radio is a division of Citizen Race Car. We tell stories.